Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. This is Green and Gold History. 50 plus years of stories, championships, and colorful characters. This is Ace Baseball. This is Green and Gold History. This episode of Green and Gold History is presented by New Era. New Era Cap is proud to be the official cap of your Oakland Athletics. Next time you visit the Coliseum, be sure to drop by the New Era Cap stand and pick up your A's New Era Authentic Collection Cap. Remember, you can always visit us at NewEraCap.com to shop our latest selection, including our limited edition and exclusive drops. New Era Cap, the official on-field cap of Major League Baseball. Hi again, everybody. This is Vince Catronio with another set of five on our countdown of the top 50 greatest games in Oakland history. In fact, by the time we get through this list, we'll be halfway to number one in the history of the Oakland Athletics. At number 30, the Jeremy Slide game or the Jeter Flip game, depending on how you look at it. At number 29, watching Mark McGuire win Rookie of the Year and setting a rookie home run record. At number 28, Billy Ball in 1981 as the A's began the season 11-0. At number 27, Big Frank does a big job for the Athletics in Game 1 of the ALDS in 2006 against the Minnesota Twins. And at number 26, Sonny saves the day, Game 2 of the 2013 American League Division Series facing Justin Verlander and the Detroit Tigers. Every Tuesday and Friday on Ace Cash, they'll hear the countdown all the way to number one, which comes your way in September. But until then, numbers 30 through 26 in the greatest games in Oakland history. We are closing in on the halfway mark for our top 50 games in Oakland A's history. And I can't sugarcoat this. Number 30 is going to hurt. It was a masterful pitching performance between the up-and-coming Barry Zito and Mike Messina, who left the Orioles for New York Riches. Yes, October 13, 2001, Game 3 of the ALDS, forever known as the Jeter Flip Game, is number 30 on our list. The A's finished the regular season with 102 wins, which in most cases would earn you a division title. But that year, the Seattle Mariners tied a major league record for wins with 116. Meanwhile, the Yankees, winners of three consecutive World Series, accomplished for the first time since Oakland's 72-73-74 run, captured the East Division crown with 95 victories. Behind Mark Mulder and Tim Hudson, the A's outdueled and outplayed the Yankees in New York, winning the first two games 5-3 and 2-0, setting up a return to the Coliseum and a chance to knock the Yankees out. 
Zito had already mastered the Yankees, winning a critical game four versus Roger Clemens in the 2000 ALDS in New York. And he was the final piece of the big three that drew Messina, who after 10 years as an Oriole, decided to sign with New York prior to that season. The game opened with an error by Miguel Tejada, but Barry set the tone for a night of spectacular pitching, closing out the first inning facing Bernie Williams. Bernie Williams, 0 for 6 career against Zito with a strikeout. The 6 foot 4 inch left hander comes set again. And to the plate. Swung and he struck him out on a breaking ball. Off speed gets Bernie Williams. The error by Tejada does no harm. A runner left. The A's come up bottom of the first. Zito worked around a hit-by-pitch to start the second inning as the A's defense returned to form with a key play. Swung on, ground to third. Dug out by Chavez. Second for one. And Aquino adjusts. Goes to first for the Double play. Four, three. Manichino had to make an adjustment and did it well. And fortunately, he had the catcher running. The pitching was so good in this game. After New York reached to begin the game with an error, Zito got on a roll, mowing down one Yankee after another, and that continued in the top of the fourth against Bernie Williams again to make it a dozen straight. One-one pitch. Here it is. Out in front. Chopper to third. Charging Chavez. Barehand pickup. Off balance throw in the dirt. Dug out by Jason Giambi. And the crowd comes to its feet. Very good play on both ends. Bernie is retired. Yankees still without a hit through four. We go to the bottom half. No score. Lucina followed suit, matching Zito pitch for pitch. But then finally, someone broke through, and that happened in the bottom of the fourth inning for Oakland. Messina kicks, delivers, 3-2 on the way. Swung on line drive, base hit, right center field. By the backhand, a try of Soriano, and the A's have their first hit. And we have the first hit of this game. A one-out single in the bottom of the fourth by Jason Giambi, and that'll bring up Dye. Four red innings and only one hit between two explosive offenses. The scoreless duel would move on to the top of the fifth inning, and Jorge Posada, part of the Yankees' core four of him, Bernie Williams, Derek Jeter, and Mariano Rivera, stepped to the plate and delivered in the truest form for the Bronx Bombers. Posada with the open stance to the right-hand side, a switch hitter. Swung on, there's a ball hit well to left field. Going back on it is long. He's at the warning track, and... One is gone for a home run. Jorge Posada with a 1-0 pitch breaks the scoreless tie, gets the first hit by the Yankees and the first run of the game. New York leading one to nothing. Oakland had a few opportunities against Mussina, who joined a winning team with his own postseason pedigree of eight October games with Baltimore. In the seventh, Mussina retired the first two batters, Jermaine Dye and Eric Chavez. Then down, one nothing. Still, Jeremy Giambi singled to center field, and that brought Terrence Long to the plate. And at the time, little did anyone know that what was to follow is one of baseball's most iconic plays, and one that still sends A's fans into a downward spiral. Two and two. Messina with a sign. Ready, here's the set. And the pitch to Long. Swung on it. Smashed down the first Pitch by Jeter, and he gets the out at the plate on a tag by Posada. 
Carter somehow was there to flip the ball back to Posada. Jeremy Giambi's out at the plate. He did not slide. Art Howe argues briefly with Kerwin Danley, and the inning is over. Not that anyone needed to know, but years later, after being voted into the Hall of Fame, Jeter explained his version of the play to Harold Reynolds on MLB Network. See, my job is to watch the runner, right? Runner at first was, was Jeremy Giambi. And I uh, saw the ball down the line. Mm -hmm. And my job is to, to one, see if, if there's going to be a play at third base, right? But once you see that Giambi is going to, if Terrence Giambi's going to go home, my job is to then be the third cutoff man to redirect the throw to third base. Now, we don't practice actually shuffle passing the, the, the uh, ball to home plate. But my job, if you look at the replay, if I actually wanted to throw to third base, we could have got Terrence at third. But the game was still only 1-0 New York, and the A's made one final charge against Rivera in the ninth. One ball, one strike, and a pitch. Swung on. Guy hits the ball pretty well to right center. It's slicing away from Williams in there for a base hit. Guy going to second base. Guy holds at second with a double. And in the cruelest state of irony, Jeremy Giambi had one last chance to erase the memories of two innings earlier, but it was not to be. The next pitch, there's a swing and a ground ball. Soriano at second up with it, throw to first, and the Yankees won, and they stay alive. The Yankees stopped the A's run, they stopped their home game winning streak at 17, their overall winning streak at 8. The Yankees denied the A's the sweep. They breathe life back into the cause for a possible fourth world championship in succession in a brilliant pitcher's duel tonight. Barry Zito gives the A's a great performance, but Mike Messina and Mariano Rivera combine on the shutout. And the final score, the Yankees won, the A's nothing. Pivotal Game 3 proved to be the springboard for the Yankees winning the final three games of that series to advance in the postseason fulfilling a tabloid headline stating New York would have to bring their A game earlier in the week. It would take Oakland three more Octobers before they would advance in October baseball. October 13th, 2001, game three of the ALDS versus New York, the night of the Jeter flip is game number 30 on our top 50 countdown. As long as one can remember, the home run has excited the fans of baseball. As a kid, you remember the first time you hit the ball over the fence. In the early days of baseball, John Home Run Baker of the Philadelphia A's led the majors four consecutive seasons in long balls, the most being 12 in 1913, and he stood only 5'11 and weighed 175 pounds. No question the game changed with the burly Babe Ruth at 6'2 and 215 pounds, leading the league 12 times and route to 714 home runs. While Henry Aaron stood only six feet and weighed 180, his quick, strong wrists hit 755 home runs. One thing for sure, in 1987, Mark McGuire at 6'5 and 220 pounds looked like a home run hitter. He broke records in college and played for Team USA in 1984. His rookie year was one to behold, and on August 14, 1987, the night McGuire broke the rookie home run record, that's number 29 on our top 50 list. McGuire was called up for 18 games in August of 1986, 
and hit just 189 with three homers. He explains the challenges of trying to establish himself as a major leaguer. The thing was, is when I got drafted at SC, being a first baseman, they moved me over to third base um, because we, there was another player by the name of Rob Nelson, left-hander, that they thought about moving to the outfield and then they, they didn't want to leave, but they wanted him to be the first baseman. Moved me to the, uh, when I was in the minor leagues, moved to third base. So for two years, basically, I had to play third base. I get to the big leagues, you know, defense obviously was a question, um, which I love defense. Um, then I go to play first base, my first game. I gave all my first baseman gloves away back when I signed. And I can still remember being in the Metrodome and they say, you're playing first base against uh, Frank Viola. And um, Bob Watson gave me his glove and I'm, I'm using a Wilson glove, which I'm a Rawlings guy. And it's got Watson number eight on the side. Um, but then again, you know, I struggled. I mean, I struggled. And, uh, and myself and Rob made the ball glove in 87. Um, but we both struggled. They ended up sending him out. They said that I had better at bats, if you can believe that. Um, but we both, I don't even think we're hitting uh, over 200. Um, and then I remember down, it was, I think it was April 19th or 20th down in Anaheim. Um, that's when I, I, I played, started playing every day and 49 home runs later. Um, so it was just, I mean, definitely, definitely a big learning experience. Uh, but it wasn't, I, everybody knew that I could hit. It was just about trying to be a complete player. The 1987 barrage started on April 10th, and that was against the Angels' Donnie Moore. McGuire struck out twice tonight. Well hit toward left. Out of here. For McGuire's first home run of the year. His first hit. 19 home runs by the end of May, and nine more in June, gave McGuire a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. A chance to play in that year's All-Star game as a rookie held in the Oakland Coliseum, as he told Joe Fonzi. Well, what can I say? You know, a rookie season breaking in this year, uh, not being on the ballot, and then uh, 95,000 write-in votes, and then the American League and the manager, John McNamara, and his coaches voted me in, uh, asked me to play here in Oakland. I mean, it's just awesome. 33 home runs at the break certainly had a lot to do with McGuire playing in the Midsummer Classic but he offered this different explanation. You know, to go back to spring training, not knowing how I'm going to be on the club, and then if I do make the club, I'm going to be back and forth, uh, you know, switching off, getting my feet wet this year, and all of a sudden I got to play on an everyday basis. I really think and I truly believe that is probably the biggest reason why I'm playing uh, so well is because I'm playing every day. That's all I've been doing my whole life, is playing every day. And I know what I'm capable of doing, uh, and I just go out and play every day. It was an incredible moment for McGuire, the first of many for him. From the Oakland A's, number 25, Mark McGuire. Nine times McGuire went to the All-Star game representing the Oakland Athletics. Back to the 87 season, and there was a dry spell for McGuire after the break with a long ball, as he didn't hit his 37th home run until July 29th versus Don Sutton, a connection he would soon revisit later on that year. Nearly two weeks went by as Big Mac was looking to tie the all-time record, first established by Wally Berger of the Boston Braves in 1930 and tied by Frank Robinson in 1956. The number was 38, and Mac got there August 11th in Seattle against Mike Moore. Pitch on the way to McGuire, swung on, well hit ball! Center field, back she goes, and this one is gone! McGuire has just tied the Major League rookie home run record with a line shot home run over the wall in left center field here 
plenty of season left for what was now just a formality. Where, when, and who would be the pitcher that gave up the historic long ball needed to be answered. And as it turns out, the answer to those questions were Anaheim, August 14th, and Don Sutton. Mark flied to center, then jumped on a breaking ball and doubled into the left field seats in the fourth or in the fifth inning. And that one may be it, way back, and there's your record. Mark McGuire puts the A's in front with his major league rookie record 39th home run. And the way he's done so many this year on first pitch. Well, and it's interesting, too, that they had called him Marco Solo because of the base empty home run, but he hits a two-run shot here. Sutton didn't watch Steinbox. He watched that one and will watch it. McGuire continued to extend his new record of 49 home runs in 1987, not broken until New York Yankee Aaron Judge hit 50 in 2017, and then his record eclipsed by Pete Alonso over the Mets with 53 in 2019. McGuire still holds the franchise record for home runs with 363, and the major league record for home runs every 10.6 at-bats. The foundation laid in his Rookie of the Year campaign of 1987. He broke a record that stood for over five decades. At that moment, August 14, 1987, is our 29th greatest game in Oakland history. He came in like a comet, the Berkeley native and Oakland Oak, Billy Martin, between managerial stints with the Yankees, leading the Oakland Athletics from 1980 to 82. His fiery style made an immediate impact in his first year as the A's improved by 29 wins to a second place finish, pushing his starting pitching to 94 complete games. It should come as no surprise that Billy Ball was a hit and the start of the 1981 season confirmed that with a record 11 consecutive wins. So April 19, 1981, when the A's broke the record, is number 28 on our top 50 games in Oakland history. The A's opened the season on the road for eight games and won them all against the Minnesota Twins and California Angels. Billy's freewheeling style was on full display in game two of the season at Minnesota but second baseman Brian Doyle pulled a fast one on Glenn Adams. Doyle has just pulled a hidden ball trick at second base, and Adams has been nailed. I glanced down at my scorebook, and Doyle with the ball goes over and tags Adams off second. The first time I've seen that hidden ball trick in about 15 years, I would say. No variation on Billy Ball. In the final game of the road trip, the A's showed another strong facet of their game, defense. Their outfield of Ricky Henderson, Tony Armas, and Dwayne Murphy was second to none in the league. As Tom Bernanski led off the second inning, Murphy, who won more gold gloves, six, than any other American League player in the 80s, provided a now-you-see-it, now-you-don't moment of sensational defense. The 1-0 pitch, swung on, fly ball, center field, deep. Going back at Murphy, still going, this has got a chance. Murphy to the fence, he leaps, he can't get it, it's gone. Has he got it or not? He's got it! He got it! He caught it! Oakland pitched two shutouts and threw six complete games as they returned home on April 17th for the home opener. 
on a Mariners radio pregame show with Dave Niehaus, Billy was asked if he expected to win all eight road games to start the season. No way. No, you know, but even on the road, you know, split 50-50 uh, or whatever it may be, you're happy, but uh, winning eight games like that and winning them uh, pretty handily. It was only about three games that we have to come from behind them. Over 50,000 were on hand for the home opener, and the A's didn't disappoint, scoring five first inning runs and never looking back in a 16-1 win. Bouncing ball to the right side. Love it first by Newman. A drop to the bag. And he's out to retire the side and end the ball game. Three up and three down in the ninth. The A's stream out of the dugout. Something across for the Seattle Mariners. The final score. The A's 16 and the Mariners 1. Brian Kingman ran the A's record to 10-0 to open the season with a complete game six-hitter in an 8-0 victory in the next game setting up the chance to break the record. Mike Norris, a 22-game winner the previous season, took the baseball against the Mariners' Glenn Abbott. Once again, the moment wasn't too big for these A's. Ricky Henderson and Jeff Newman each drove in two runs in the 6-1 triumph, which ended this way with nearly 30,000 on hand. rotation of Norris, Kingman, Rick Lankford, Steve McCaddy, and Matt Keough led the A's to the postseason in that split season due to the June strike by the players. Norris was the winning pitcher in the record-breaking game and had nothing but admiration for Billy Martin. Billy was the greatest thing for my career. He gave me a chance to go out and pitch every five days and um, that's basically all the opportunity that I needed and uh, I excelled at it under his leadership. A remarkable start to a season that record for most wins to start a year was overtaken one season later by the Atlanta Braves and tied in 87 by the Milwaukee Brewers. Billy Ball, quite a time for Oakland baseball, and that's why April 19, 1981, the day the A's set the new record for consecutive wins to start a season, is number 28 on our top 50 list. He walks off a first base, cool and slow. Everybody in the park knows he's gonna go. Billy Ball. Two of baseball's best southpaws, an indoor raucous crowd that gave the home team a great advantage, and an opaque roof that could cause chaos. That was the setting for the start of the 2006 playoffs. The Oakland A's were back in the postseason after a two-year hiatus, winning the West with 93 victories on the road in Minnesota against the Central Division winning Twins team posting 96 victories. Cy Young Award winner Johan Santana against Barry Zito. 
likely in the final season with Oakland, ready to test free agency after 102 career wins. October 3rd, 2006, Game 1 of the American League Division Series is number 27 on our top 50 list. With a national ESPN audience on hand, John Miller and Joe Morgan set the scene for the A's. Zeno today tries to nullify the advantage that Santana would seem to give the Twins, and he'll be up against some outstanding Minnesota hitters like young Joe Maurer and, and Justin Morneau. Well, John, I think the key for Barry Zito today will be to get off to a quick start. He has a tendency sometimes to come in high with the fastball early in the ball game, and that's when he falls in trouble and gets behind. If he falls behind today against Santana, he's going to have a problem. So the key is going to be get off to a fast start, keep Morneau under control, who is an MVP candidate, and Joe Meyer. The thing that the Twins do is that they put the ball in play, and that could be great here on the carpet. When the A's signed Frank Thomas... It was at the low point of his career. Injury kept him off the World Series roster the previous season with the Chicago White Sox, and he was left to look elsewhere to continue his career. Quite a resurgence for Frank, hitting 39 home runs and driving in 114, cementing his Hall of Fame legacy, and he was ready to carry the load in the second inning against Santana. Santana deals and Frank hits it to deep left field in the corner. White going back right down the line. Fair or foul in the corner. It is gone. Home run and Frank Thomas has given the A's the lead. A towering drive right down the left field line. Just inside the foul pole. 1-0 Athletics. On a 3-1 pitch. The big hurt takes Santana deep. Still in the second. Shortstop Marco Scudero who would play a pivotal role in the series, extended the lead for Oakland. For the A's leading 1-0, the pitch to Scudero is swung on line down the left field line. That's trouble in the corner, and one hopping off the wall. Rounding at second is Peyton. Now he's rounding third. There'll be no throw to the plate. Peyton scores on a double down the left field line by Scudero. And here in the top of the second, the A's have taken a 2-0 lead. So Marco Scudero bangs one, one hop off the wall. In left field for a double, scoring Peyton from first, and the A's lead 2-0. Zito won 16 games in his likely final season with the A's, making 34 starts and throwing over 220 innings. Keeping the Metrodome crowd quiet was going to be a constant battle, but he showed his medal ending the fourth inning facing Michael Kadire. Here comes the 2-0 out of the stretch, a changeup, Scott deep left field. It's going to stay in the park though, Jay Peyton has room. He'll squeeze it, and the inning is over. Maybe the changeup with Kadire out in front a little bit, spent the swing, and kept the A's in front. No runs, no hits, no errors. A man left. Zito has not allowed a hit through four. And we go to the fifth inning, 2-0 Oakland. The lead would remain 2-0 for Oakland against the favorite Twins in their park with their ace on the mound. And finally, Minnesota got on the board against Oakland with Rondell White up, and that awakened the sellout crowd. 77 pitches, two outs in the seventh inning. Zito pitching with the 2-0 lead. And now here comes Rondell White. He swings and spanks it to deep left field. Back goes Peyton to the track at the wall. It is gone. Rondell White has hit it out to left. And he's got the Twins on the board. His two-out solo home run. And the ace lead is now 2-1. Santana stayed through eight innings, hoping for a comeback that didn't happen. Zito was pitch for pitch with him, and he closed out the eighth inning facing the American League batting champ, Joe Bauer. So now it's Bartlett at third, two to one A's, eighth inning. 
Lefty against lefty. Lefties do not bother Joe Mauer. Zito peering in, has the sign working from the stretch. And the delivery on the way. Mauer swings. Fly ball left field toward the line. Peyton right there makes a backhanded catch. As Mauer flies to left, Peyton ran it down, going toward the line. The Twins leave Bartlett at third, and we go to the ninth inning. A's two, Minnesota one. Frank Thomas still had more to give Oakland in this game. Maybe one more reminder to the Southsiders who let him go that he had some unfinished business, which he put on display in the ninth, facing reliever Jesse Crane. Here's the 1-1 to Thomas by Crane. Pause, set, pitch, and Frank gets it to deep left. White back, white at the track. He's going to watch two home runs today for the Big Hurt, and the A's have taken a 3-1 lead. The Big Hurt, once again the big man for the green and gold. Houston Street would pitch the ninth and give up a run, but ended the game with Rondell White at the plate. This is the time when you've got to be certain. Center field, Katze, a step toward left center. Left field, Peyton, pretty much straight up. Maybe a step toward left center field. Right fielder, Bradley, a step toward right center. At third, Chavez, back of the bag, hugging the line. Rondell White, a right-handed hitter. Nobody on, bottom of the ninth. Three, two A's. And Street's 1-0 pitch is swung on a five-ball center field. Routine, Katze's there. He squeezes it, and the A's have won game one. Rondell White flies to center. The Twins get one, but come up one run shy. Following the win, Zito explained the process of eliminating the crowd and doing his job on the mound. You know, 55,000 people, they even took the tarps down in the right field, and I think that probably added another 10 or so. And These people know how to cheer, man, and um, if you focus on the noise, you're going to lose the focus of what you got to do. And, you know, uh, I just had to focus on making pitches and uh, let the innings come to me and, you know, let the future come to me instead of feeling like I had to do it all at once and carrying boulders on my shoulders, you know. One free agent arriving while one was likely out the door. But not until Frank Thomas and Barry Zito combined to lead the A's in the right direction beginning the postseason. October 3rd, 2006, Game 1 of the American League Division Series versus Minnesota is number 27 on our top 50 list. I was 23 and I was just, you know, just doing, just doing my thing. And uh, we came into the next day. We go through the game, I mean, everything's normal, you know, pitching at home. We're in, I love the yellow jerseys, absolutely love. I, I try to wear the yellow jersey there as many times as I can when, we, when I pitch. Yes, he was 23, a rookie, but Sonny Gray was a baby-faced assassin asked to get the athletics even in a best-of-five postseason series. A former top pick from Vanderbilt, Gray debuted out of the bullpen in 2013 and made 10 starts for the AL West winning A's. Oakland lost game one of the American League Division Series as Max Scherzer outdueled Bartolo Colon. Now Gray was up against perennial all-star Justin Verlander. October 5th, 2013. Game two of the ALDS against the Detroit Tigers is game 26 on our top 50 list of Oakland's greatest games. Nearly 49,000 were on hand as Austin Jackson started the night for the Tigers. And Gray was determined to set the tone right from the get-go. You know, everybody has butterflies. You're, you're thinking about it when you're playing in a game. But when you're 23, and you just came off, you've been in the big league six weeks, and you're pitching a very, very big game. There's a lot on his mind. And I think if he can get through the first inning, that's going to be huge. Here's the 2-2 to Austin Jackson. Swung on it, passed a breaking ball down and away. Jackson.
Jason Kays, and that's the way our ball game begins. The Tigers were a team of veterans. Miguel Cabrera, Victor Martinez, Prince Fielder, and Torrey Hunter, who tried some gamemanship in the third inning. It didn't work as Gray reached back for more. You have a veteran hitter with a youngster on the mound. If he can do something, that pitch wasn't that close. And Torrey knows he made it look like yeah, it was. Exactly. Yeah, he backed off. But just nothing else to try to get in the head of Sonny Gray. And he got 48,000 people pretty upset. 2-2 pitch. Swing! And a miss up and away by Octane at 96 from Sonny Gray. And that finishes off Torrey Hunter. I think Sonny Gray won the battle of intimidation with Torrey Hunter. I understood that he was he was trying to you know get under my skin. I know me being a rookie out there and him being veteran. He's been one of my favorite players for a long time, and um, you know, but you know, but I was able to use that and and it really lit a fire and not only under me but this whole team and and you know, it was just really big to get this win and and heading to Detroit. Gray and Verlander matched pitch for pitch. Stephen Vogt came to the A's from Tampa Bay, a Visalia native. Vote was with Sonny at AAA and was behind the plate in this game. And what was maybe the Tigers' best chance to break through against Oakland, Gray and Vote teamed up to end the threat in the top of the fifth. Well, this is the time for the strikeout pitch exactly. if he has it, Ray. And the Glaciers for good speed, you have to figure he's on the move too. So it'll be a strike him out, throw him out, ideally if that's what it can get. Iglesias is at first, and Fonte is over at third. And now the stretch. Runner goes, a 3-2, swung out of miss, throw by vote, tag by Sogard, double play! An inning-ending strike him out, throw him out, double play! Sonny Gray with a fastball blazing over the outside corner. Jackson strikes out. Iglesias was running, and he's nailed by Stephen Vogt. 2-4 on the play at second base. The Tigers fail to score. And halfway through our ballgame tonight, after four and a half, it's still nothing-nothing. Scoreless in the sixth, and again in the seventh, and into the eighth, the rookie was firing away at the Tigers and got Hunter once more this time to close out the inning. There's signs around the Coliseum, as there always are, Ray. Some of them simply saying, the forecast is sunny. Yeah. Well, he also knows the forecast in the on-deck circle is Miguel Cabrera. Yeah. So that's why Torrey Hunter really enjoys hitting in the number two spot in this Tigers lineup because the monster in the on-deck circle. The outfield of Cap and left center. Gray at the belt. Kelly leads at second. Here's the pitch. Torrey pops it up right side. Back of first. Fair ball. Moss under it. Waiting for it. He's there. He's got it. And what a gem. A magnificent effort through eight innings for the rookie right-hander Sonny Gray in his first postseason start. And we'll see if the A's can get on the board. He's matched Verlander pitch for pitch. We go to the bottom of the eighth. The fans chanting Sonny. And after seven and a half, A is nothing, Tiger is nothing. Gray outlasted Verlander, who pitched seven for Detroit. Drew Smiley and Al Albuquerque pitched the eighth and into the ninth. And that's where Yuana Cespedes started the frame with a single, giving Seth Smith a chance to push the envelope. Cespedes with the great speed leads at first. Fielder holding on the bag. Albuquerque, the 1-1 pitch on the way, and swung on line into right for a base hit. Cespedes to second, he's going to go to third. Hunter plays it back, a single for Seth Smith, and with nobody out in the bottom of the ninth inning, the A's have runners at first and third. And twice, two batters, one at third, with Cabrera on the line, the single makes it through. 
with Cespedes at first. Fielder is holding him, creating a big hole for Seth Smith to hit it to the right side. And going with a veteran Smith. Yeah. That one change in the A's lineup tonight. The man has it paid off. He's two for four. Jim Leland went to Rick Porcello, hoping for extra innings at the bottom of the ninth. And vote a 27-year-old rookie who spent the first four years of his professional career no higher than A-ball, stepped into the spotlight that forever etched him as a favorite in Oakland Athletics history. High drama, oh. extreme tension at the old ballpark in Oakland. One ball, one strike. The winning run is 90 feet away in the ninth in a scoreless game. Porcello peers in to get his sign, first base side of the rubber. And now the 1-1 pitch, here it is, and it's swung on, line to left, base hit, and the A's have won it! Cespedes scores from third, a line drive, base hit to left by Stephen Bolt, and the A's have even the series! A riveting pitcher's duel, and in the bottom of the ninth inning, the only run of the game is scored by the Oakland A's on a base hit to left by Bolt. One nothing athletics, and we go to Detroit tied up. Come up, bases loaded, nobody outs. What you dream of? You know, you want to be in that position and just looking for something out over the plate. Stay in the middle of the field. Bring the infield in. You want to stay in the middle of the field. So, just fortunate to come through. A magical night of postseason baseball that lives on in A's lore. Sonny Gray staring down former Cy Young Award winner Justin Verlander. Stephen Vogt, a minor league grinder at the time who turned that moment into a foundation of what became an all-star career. Tied together to even that series at one victory apiece. October 5th, 2013, Game 1 of the ALDS is number 26 on our top 50 list. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.